Good morning. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of King Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Luke 1, verses 1 through 13. just packed 200,000 meals to make an amazing difference in the lives of children all around the world. I am here because I think it's a very special thing when you're trying to help other families who are in need. Um, my favorite thing about this event, I think, is tangible community action, the ability to make a difference one at a time together. This is my fourth Hunger to Hope, and our goal this year is 200,000. For all you people and you children who are receiving this food, pray that it blesses you, fills your belly so you can learn and be outstanding and have a great life. We love you. surrogate mothers and fathers and providing the food for these kids so they can have a hope for a future because a lot of these kids can't even go to school because they're not going to be able to pay attention because they don't have anything to Thank you for being the change and helping to restore hope this Christmas season. Next year we want you to bring your family, friends, and neighbors out so we can do even more. Even more. Okay, that was an awesome event. Thank you, everybody, for participating. Here's the mastermind behind the event, Michaela. <laughs> Michaela's going to share some important numbers uh, from the day. Yeah, so thank you guys so much again for coming out to Hunger to Hope last week. So in one day, we packaged 202,176 meals. So give yourselves a hand for that. Over, a little over 200,000 meals in one day. That means we packaged five, we packaged enough meals to feed 553 children for the entire year. So give yourselves another round of applause because that's just a huge, 553 kids a whole year. Yeah, it's amazing. So I just remember kind of taking a step back amidst the chaos and the hairnets and, um, 
In the first shift, there was just this one little boy. Actually, you just heard him read scripture just a little bit ago. He could barely reach over the table. Um, I think it was his first hunger to hope. And he loved counting out all the bags, making sure all the numbers were correct. And it was just so cool to see this big smile as he just like threw this finished bag into the box. And it's so neat to think that his hands were the last hands to touch those meals until they get to the kids that need them most. So it really is kids feeding kids. It's us feeding kids. So thank you so much again for for coming out and just so you know as a collective because grace has done this eight years or so you guys have packaged 1.1 million meals for kids so give yourselves that's the biggest number right there 1.1 million meals by grace community church so thank you so much for for everything thank you michaela appreciate it very much that's awesome okay everybody um I want to, you know, every year we thank people who serve in Hunger to Hope, because of course we should, and we do a huge round of applause, and thank you, thank you, thank you, and those who led teams, it's really awesome. I want to thank one group of people that we seldom thank, actually, that's my fault, we should, we should do it more often, but I want to particularly, because last week I stood in that gym, I looked out over that huge sea of people, 1,500 people were involved last year, and as Michaela said, two, over 200,000 meals, 1.1 million over the past number of years. I want to single out one group of people. I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. I don't know who you are because I don't know who actually gives financially to this church. Here's the numbers, everybody. 50% in the average church in America, and I know you guys are above average. 50%, 50% of a church gives 100% of the budget. 50% of a church gives 100% of the budget. Actually, 15% of the people in the church give 50% of the budget. Think about those numbers. I don't know who you are, but you know who you are who you give faithfully, you give generously all the time. We could have showed up with 1,500 people ready to pack 200,000 meals last week to Kenmore Middle School. And the principal just said, this is great. Thank you for being here, but I'm not opening my doors. Why am I not opening my doors? Because you don't have the money to actually get in. That event between buying the food and renting the place and moving and shipping it, $60,000. That's what I want to say. That hope train never leaves the station without one group of people. You get it off. The, you get it off. You launch it. You bring hope to the whole world because you give consistently and generously. And I want to thank you for doing this. This is obvious to me, but it might not be obvious to you. There is no, there's not some larger organization out there somewhere that's contributing to Grace Community Church. What happens in this room and who gives in this room and at West Falls Church and on Grace Live, that's what goes to fund awesome projects, which this is the biggest project we do every year, like this. So, one more round of applause. Thank you for the group of people who do that all the time. We could not do it without you, all right? That's where it all starts. Okay, we want to talk about hope today, a brighter Christmas we're talking about, we're talking about. There's a, there's a famous chapter in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. A lot of people call it the love chapter of the Bible. And it ends in a famous way. It ends by saying this, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. What does that mean? They're the essentials of life. Like we can't get through life without faith, hope, and love. And we often talk about how to increase our faith or how to increase our hope, I mean, how to increase our love, but we seldom talk about how to increase our hope. For this series, I want to talk about how to increase our hope, like practically, how do we do it? How do we increase our hope? So they're the essentials of life. We can't get through life without love. Love makes the world go around. We all know that, right? Love makes the world go around. Faith. You might say, hey, John, 
I'm not a person of faith. I know uh, some people are people of faith. And I know many of us in this room, we self-classify as non-church goers. You might say, you know, I'm just here checking things out. I'm not a person of faith. That's cool. Here's what I want to say about faith. You can't have a great relationship without faith. You can't. So, so I, you know, when I married Krista, you know, I assumed, I had a lot of evidence for that she was going to be an awesome wife. But I didn't know. Now, she would say she knew, but I didn't know because I'm, don't ha- I'm not having a relationship with a computer. I'm having a relationship with a person. So I had all this evidence, but there was, it was probably pretty small, but there was this little measure of faith. I want you to think about it for a second, everybody. You're in a relationship with people. You can't have a great relationship with anybody unless you have some faith. But we're not talking about love and we're not talking about faith today. We're talking about hope. Today we're talking about hope in this uh, incredible chapter that ends this way. So how do we increase our hope? You may say, John, hey, how important is hope? Hope is super important. You know how important it is? It's a letter grade important. They have researched this and found that people who are hopeful, hopeful people get 12% better academically. It's a whole letter grade. You might say, hey, John, today I feel like I'm a letter C in my life, right? I'm a letter C. Well, we hope by the end of this series in three weeks, we're going to bump you up to a letter B. And if you're a letter B, we hope to bump you to A. If you're an A, you're just going to have to go to heaven because there's, no, there's nowhere else. <laughs> there's, nowhere, there's nowhere else for you to go. But we want to talk about how to actually increase hope. Now, many of you lead teams. Like you lead something, small, big, whatever, at, at work, somewhere, nonprofit, you do something. You lead a team, uh, corporately, militarily, you lead a team. Check this out. You ready for this? The team that you lead is 14% more productive if they are a hope-filled team. Your team that you lead is 14% more productive if they're a hope-filled team. And there is something you can do as a leader to instill hope in that team. And this is what we want to talk about today. Dr. Shane Lopez is a psychologist. He was a psychologist. He's passed away. He was considered the leading researcher worldwide on the subject of hope. He started out by studying people's IQ. And then he realized something. Really smart people do some really stupid things. And so it led him to hope. He wanted to, because this is the essential to life. This is what this, one of the main essentials to life, according to 1 Corinthians 13, that we need hope to live a successful life. And that's what he was interested in. How do we live successful lives? So he began to study and research hope. And this is what he found out. There is zero correlation between hope and IQ. So you don't have to have a large IQ to have hope. There is zero correlation between hope and income. Hope, he found out, is an equal opportunity resource that we have in our world. And he tells a story that he grew up in a tiny little town in Louisiana. And the 1950s, uh, the banker in the town owned this little bank in town. He went to New Orleans. You know, when you say a word, I think about this all the time, New Orleans. I say it kind of a slang way for most of my life, New Orleans, like that. And then I realized I don't know how the right way to say it anymore. So he went to New Orleans, went to New Orleans, and he bought... A statue, like a big, like a six-foot statue of Emperor Hadrian, the Roman Emperor Hadrian. And he brought it back to his little tiny town, his little tiny bank, and he put it out front. And it looked so odd. It was so weird in this little southern town in Louisiana of about 35,000 people that they have this big Roman emperor out front, this Hadrian. And so particularly the kids in the town, the teenagers, 
uh, when they would be out at night and maybe would be drinking something, uh, they would get in a fun mood and they would decorate Hadrian with all kinds of stuff because it was a joke. It looks so odd. What is this doing here? So they put gloves and hats and blah, blah, blah. Hadrian was already wearing a toga, but they'd go ahead and put another toga on top and everybody's had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Well, they got to the 1970s and somebody said, you know what? Uh, we should, we, we, we should insure this thing. And so, well, how much money? Well, $10,000. So they went to insurance company. The insurance company said, you know, um, we actually have to figure out the exact price. We can't take a guess. Got to bring an antiquities dealer. And they bring the antiquities dealers in. The guy looks at it and says, oh, my gosh, this is Emperor Hadrian. We, we know that much. Said, this is 2,000 years old. It's worth a million bucks. All of a sudden, something they thought was a joke and had no value whatsoever, they put a big gate around it, put a, put a glass screen so nobody could hit it, a car couldn't hit it, because they realized in this little tiny town, something they took for granted actually was the most valuable thing that they had in the tiny town. And so what Shane Lopez goes on to say is, you know what, hope is that important. It's something we talk about all the time, but maybe we overlook. We need to figure out how we can increase hope in our lives because when we do, we live much more successful lives. That is what this series is all about. What is hope? He says this. It's two things, all right? The first is optimism or being confident. That's not all a hope. So people who are confident or optimistic aren't hopeful people. I want you. But Gallup has realized, which Shane Lopez worked for, Gallup has realized that 90% of the world is optimistic, now, you might say, man, I haven't met all those people. Well, what he's saying is, is there's some, I mean, it could be big. You know, those people that are like glowing like a Christmas tree, but some people just a little flicker. Do you know what I'm saying? Just a little flicker, but there's still confidence. They're like, I believe that I'm at A and I believe that B is going to be better. Now, this is important. That's not hope. Confidence, optimism is not hope. Here's what hope is. Having confidence or optimism, which 90% of us have. And I'm at point A and point B is going to be better. Here's where hope comes in. I know how to get to point B. Because we have a lot of people who have confidence. They just don't know how to get from point A to point B. And that's what this series is all about. That's what hope is. How we can get to A to B. We're going to talk very practical in this series from the scriptures of how we can increase our hope and live more successful lives. Before I do that, I would like to read Romans 15, 13. Actually, I'd like you to read this with me because we're going to use this verse every single week. I'd like us to read it out loud. I have asked the prayer team weeks ago, can you begin to pray for this? Hope is, I mean, people literally die. We know this is a fact. People literally die if they don't have hope. We need to be people of hope. God is a God of hope. He wants to fill us with hope. We need to increase our hope. And so Romans 15, 13 is going to be our theme verse for the next three weeks leading up to Christmas. We're going to pray. The prayer team has been praying for weeks and weeks and weeks that God would fill our lives with hope at West Falls Church and Grace Life. So what I want to ask is that all of us read it together. It's on the back of your bulletins. It's on the screen. Uh, West Falls Church, please read with us. And Grace Life, please do the same thing. Okay, everybody, here we go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The title of this message today is It's Beginning. It's Beginning. Like the song, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. Well, in the scripture that we read this morning, which is the beginning of the Christmas story, what, is, what does Christmas look like? How is it looking? What you're looking at in Zechariah and Elizabeth is a hope-challenged couple and a hope-challenged world. So it doesn't begin with hope. It begins with the glimmers of hope. It begins with a couple who's suffering. So Christmas is about a birth story. 
birth story. But isn't it interesting here in Luke chapter 1 that the birth story actually begins with a story about infertility? Zechariah and Elizabeth couldn't have a baby. Tremendous pressure back in their day to have a baby, external and internal. You felt like you weren't really, you know, pulling your weight in Israel if you didn't have a child. And people would look at you if you didn't have a child, particularly if you're a priest like Zechariah, and they'd say, what's wrong with you? Well, you must have some sin in your life. So there's a lot of pressure externally and internally there to have a baby, and they're infertile, and they're very late in years, like they're advanced. We don't have their number of years, but we're figuring they're in like in their 60s and 70s, which is really young, I just want to say. But they're beyond. They're beyond the regular birthing years, and so it's kind of over for them. We sang a song, um, and we do this uh, at Christmas time all the time, Oh Holy Night, Oh Holy Night. There's a line in that song that says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining, pining, like waiting, waiting for it to come true. Some of you that you identify with that immediately. What is it that you're waiting for this Christmas? What is it that you're hoping for? Zachariah and Elizabeth were praying, waiting, hoping, hurting, suffering, hope-challenged, trying to continue on. This is what they were. And they were priests. Zechariah was a priest. He was serving the God of hope. Now, for those people who thought, well, and you, maybe you think this way sometimes. I do sometimes myself. I think, man, I'm praying about something and it's not coming true. Why aren't my prayers? Maybe there's, maybe there's something God's upset with me about. Maybe God's punishing me. Maybe I just have sin in my life. You know, people sometimes say, you know, God doesn't hear the prayers of a sinner. And I just want to tell you this. Uh, a sinner's prayer is the only kind of prayer God hears. So people looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth. They kind of looked down their nose at them. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you having a child? But the text tells us here something really clear. It says they were blameless before God. They served God. Like That's God telling us, hey, these people aren't on the naughty list. They're actually on the nice list. So for those of you here in this room this morning thinking, man, why is this happening for me? There could be some practical reasons behind that, but I just want you to know, at least spiritually speaking, God only hears the prayers of people who are sinners. And they're praying. They're praying. Now, uh, this is the Messiah that we read about here in Luke chapter 1, which is the preliminary to it. We're leading up to it. We're preparing our way for Christmas. There was all kinds of prophecies that a Messiah, the Messiah is a person of hope, great hope. You think about Israel, they're oppressed right now. They're in a hope-challenged country because they're oppressed by the Roman government. They're there. And they're waiting for the Messiah to come along and to bring hope and to alleviate, right, their sin and error pining. They're waiting, they're hurting, they're grappling. And here we're told hundreds and hundreds of years before through these prophecies that a Messiah is going to come and bring hope. But before, before that Messiah comes, somebody's going to come along and prepare the way for that Messiah, prepare the way for Jesus. And that person's name was John the Baptist. Zachariah and Elizabeth, who we're talking about this morning, they became the parents of, of John the Baptist because Elizabeth gets pregnant in her old age. I want to say one thing about Christmas before I move on. You know, because we have such a diverse church and we're in such a diverse city, right? Some of us will say, you know what? I, I love the Christmas songs. They're awesome. I love the hymns and the carols. I love all that. I love the decorations. I love the season, you know? I love it, everybody. But I don't believe in this whole God thing. I don't really believe in the Christmas thing. I don't really believe in the virgin birth. And that's all fine. I just want to ask one question. I want you to think about this. 
who wouldn't want Christmas to be true? Like, if you're thinking this yourself or you're talking to somebody like, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. I don't believe in that Christmas stuff. I don't believe in that virgin. It seems a little fairy tale-ish to me, although the story is not told as a fairy tale, to be honest with you. There is a way that fairy tales are told, and this isn't told that way, but that's not even my point. My point is, is who wouldn't want Christmas to be true? Think about this for a second, everybody. God comes to earth because he loves us so much. Mighty God, holy God, awesome creating God who created a universe that we cannot find the end of. That God gets up off of his throne because he loves us so much and he comes into this broken world. And he doesn't come in as Superman. He doesn't come in as Superman saying, I can't be hurt. He comes into this world as a vulnerable baby who gets tired who gets hungry, who gets thirsty, who suffers injustice. Have you suffered injustice? Who suffers injustice and who bleeds because he loves you so much he wants to be there and wants to experience. Think about this. Isn't that what love does? Who doesn't want to believe in something like that? Isn't that what love does? I was having a conversation with somebody recently and somehow we got on to the fact of having surgeries. And the person said to me, said, you know, like if your daughter brought up your daughter who lives 300 miles from here, Hey, if she had a surgery, if she's having surgery, would you like actually go? I mean, is that a normal thing? I don't know what norm is. The person said, what's a normal thing? Would you go if your daughter 300 miles away was having a surgery? Would you just like, it's, it's, it's okay. And here's my immediate response. I said, if I had to walk there, if I had to walk 300 miles to be with my daughter when she's having surgery, there's no doubt I would do it. I would do it. You know why? Because that's what love does. Love shows up. If you love somebody, you show up, don't you? I mean, like, you're there. That's Christmas. Who wouldn't want to believe that? Who wouldn't want to believe that they're loved that much? I know a lot of times the story is distorted. And you might be sitting here this morning and say, yeah, I don't believe it. Okay, but all right, fine. Who wouldn't want to believe that story, that God loves you so much? There is no other story where God comes and bleeds. A bleeding God? Excuse me. Hello? We don't do that. There's no bleeding gods anywhere except for this God who comes down, takes on flesh, is vulnerable and hurts. Who wouldn't want to believe that story is true? That's Christmas. That's Christmas. Now, here's each week I want to tell you one thing that we should know from the story and then one thing we should do. There's always a no and there's always a do. Here's the no for today. The no is what the angel said. Your prayer has been heard. I don't know about you. But when I'm going through it, right, like Zachariah and Elizabeth, long lay the world in sin and error pining. When I'm going through it, I'm wondering as I'm praying and I'm not seeing anything happen like they are for decades. Like the angel shows up and says, your prayer's been heard. It's like, your prayer's been heard. When we got married, we prayed for a baby in our 20s. And we kept praying in our 30s. And man, to tell you the truth, we even kept praying in our 40s. But when we got to our 50s, we kind of slowed down praying for a baby. And now that we're in our late 60s, oh, that was a little while ago that we prayed for that. And I think to myself, when I'm going through a tough time, I say, you know what? Is anybody listening? And the things that we need to know, why we need to be optimistic, why we need to be confident, is that we're told the angel says to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And you know what? The Bible says that all over the place. Here's what you need to know this morning. Your prayer has been heard. I don't know what you're praying for. I'm not saying that it's going to, I'm not saying it's going to get answered the way you want because mine haven't, but here's the one thing you should know. Your prayers are being heard. I have a number of scriptures I'd like to share with you about that. Psalm 94.9, does he 
who made the ear not hear. That's a great visual, like a big ear up in heaven (laughs) waiting for you to speak. Does he who formed the eye not see? How about this one, Isaiah 65? This is, really speaks about God's desire, like he's on the edge of his seat. Actually, there's a verse in Psalm that says God bends his ear down to hear us, wanting to hear us. Here's what Isaiah says. Before they call, I will answer. Before, that's an anxious, I want to hear what you have to say. Doesn't have to be eloquent, doesn't have to be beautiful, doesn't have to be emotional. God wants to hear. Before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. How about, is anybody going through any kind of injustice or have you suffered some kind of injustice in life and you're wondering in the midst of your injustice, is God actually up there hearing? Well, God addresses this in the book of James. He says, this is Jesus's brother writing these words. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters has reached the ears of the almighty. So this is what we need to know. God hears your prayers. This is what we need to know, but that's not hope. That's not hope. hope. That's only half a hope. It's we're confident, we're optimistic, we feel good. God's hearing my prayers. What's going to get us? There's something for us then to do. There's another side. There's an A to a B. How do we get there? And here's the one fill in the blank. And the one thing I want to ask you to consider doing this week. We did something really big last week. We did something global. We did something that took 1,500 people to accomplish. And now we want to get really individual this week. Really write down to the detail of what each one of us needs to do about the essentials to being successful in life. Here's what we can actually do. This is researched, and it's extremely biblical. It's researched, and it's extremely biblical. You've got to give it to grow it. Write that in. Give it to grow it. You've got to give it to... When you give godly things away, they grow. When you give away things the Bible talks about, that's a godly thing, like forgiveness, right? When you give that away, when you give away hope, it grows. And if you want to be a person who's a letter grade better, you want to be a person, right, who's 14% more productive, you want to be a person who navigates life really, really, really well, then you need to be a dispenser, a dispenser of hope by giving it away. Zachariah and Elizabeth did that. And I want you to think about this for a second. They they are a hope-challenged couple in a hope-challenged world. People are looking at them saying, man, why don't you have a baby? You got to have a baby. Why aren't you having a baby? And it's always the woman's fault. It's always the woman's fault back then. They didn't have the technology we had, so they did. What's wrong with you? And that hurts. Krista and I know couples, we particularly, particularly know women, they won't show up to church on Mother's Day because it hurts. So I want you to think about that. This hurts in their hurt, but they didn't stop being priest. They didn't stop serving the God of hope, even though they were challenged. There's going to be times when we don't want to be dispensers of hope. I understand that. But we got to get back up on our horse and serve the God of hope. And so this is what Zachariah and Elizabeth did. They put on, you know, their server's hat, right, like a platter of hope, and they went out and served even people who were looking down their nose at them. They served them. They were dispensers of hope. And that's how they were able to maintain their hope in the midst of a very, very difficult situation. You have to give it to grow. When we give godly things away, they simply grow. Luke chapter 6. Give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It'll run over. What that scripture is specifically talking about is forgiveness, which is a very godly thing. But there's a principle at work in the scriptures that when you give godly things away, like forgiveness and love and faith and hope, when you do this, those things grow in your life. You receive back, not just a little measure, but it grows, it grows a whole lot. Second 
Corinthians 9, 6. This is how much we want to give. It says this, remember this, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I have here in my hand, you can barely see it unless you have really, really good eyes. This is a popcorn kernel. It's a seed. It's a seed, right? You might say, okay, John, you know, I will, I will give hope away this week. I will do it. I will give it to grow it. And you just have to think about how much you give away, right? If we give just that much, then we're not going to really reap a big harvest, are we? We should, we, we, we should give more. We should give more to people we like, to people we don't know, and to people we, we don't even like, like Zachariah and Elizabeth did. Because the Bible says if we give like, generously, like a lot, for you people who have OCD, we're going to clean this up afterwards. Because <laughs> it, it freaks me out too, right? If we just, if we just give away and plant all those seeds, we, this is what I'm going to ask you to do this week. This is practically speaking, this is what we know from research, and it's totally what we know from the Bible, that if you'll be generous with throwing your seeds of hope out there to other people, it is going to grow, and we want to ask you that. Now, we've got a really cool video. Uh, Esther Kim here at, uh, at Grace did something just a little while ago. We said, man, Esther, can you, tell, can you tell that story? So we want you to turn your eyes to the screen and watch this video about Esther right now. So I pulled into the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru and I wanted to um, practice a random act of kindness and pay for the person behind me. Um, there was nobody behind me, so I had to wait for someone to show up. And when they did, I went to pay for their order and I usually hand the cashier a WGTS card, but I had run out of the cards. So I had a grace bulletin in my back seat and I just wrote a, a message saying, I wanted to pay for your order. Um, you are amazing, you are loved. I hope this encourages you today. And I handed it to the cashier to give to the person behind me. I try to do this every Thursday. I mean, realistically, I'd like to do something nice for someone every day, but definitely on Thursday, um, I make it a real effort. I just think that being kind is really important. Everyone is has battles that they're they're going through or they're struggling with that we don't know anything about and just just that little effort of kindness can give someone um, so much hope and that's that's all that matters all right that's cool that's small all of us can do that that actually is what will increase our hope that's what actually will lead us to living a more successful life because as we give hope away, it comes back to us. John 12, 24. Very, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces how many seeds? Many seeds, many seeds. This week, there's going to be times when you feel like giving hope away. You're just going to like, ah, yes. And there's going to be times when you don't. And there's going to be people that you don't want to give hope away to. And those are the very ones you should really make sure you give hope away to. Those that it's difficult. Because when you do the difficult things, that's when you like, what's that stuff called? Miracle grow? That's, I don't know much about gardening. That's when you put miracle grow on your hope. Try that this week. Multiple times. Give hope 
away as much as you can. Now, I want to read you uh, an excerpt of a speech. Robert Kennedy gave a speech. People consider it his best speech that he ever gave. He gave it in Cape Town, University of Cape Town uh, in South Africa at the height of apartheid, right? And this is what he said. It is from numberless diverse acts of courage and belief that human history is shaped each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lots of others or strikes out against injustice. He sends forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current that can sweep down the mightiest wall of oppression and resistance. You want to increase hope in your life? Practice random acts of hopefulness. Allow hope to spread to other people. It could be just holding a door or giving a smile, writing a card to somebody, saying thank you in traffic when it's really busy and you can sense the tension. It's waving. Oh, yes, please go ahead of me. It could be anything like that. It could be bigger stuff. It could be making up, mending a fence relationally with somebody. But it's an action. It's something that we do. It's just not optimism. I'm at A and B's going to be better. No, there's something we do. There's a pathway to it. And that's what fills us with hope. And we would like you to do this. Hashtag. We have a hashtag for you this week. Hashtag give it to grow it. We'd like you to use that hashtag. We'd like to track your doings this week. We'd like to track what you end up do, doing. Do. Yes. I want to talk about it because next week we want to report back. Hey, we asked something at Hunger and Hope. We said, hey, um, if anybody knows a family that needs a brighter Christmas, somebody, a person, an individual, a family. And so we got a bunch of families came in. We, next week we want to report back on all the great things that we did for families around the DMV. And next week we'd like to report back to you also, oh, Esther bought coffee for somebody behind them, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this. It'll just be a cascade. It'll be an amazing ripple of hope. This is what we're going to do. So please use the hashtag, and we will report back next week on that. Now, next week also is Michaela's last Sunday. Say it isn't so, John. It is so. Michaela Simmerall is afraid of the snow. And she's moving back to Florida, but she has a very special song by Lauren Daigle that she's going to sing next week. So you should all come out for that. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And we're going to continue talking about hope. And here's what we're going to talk about next week, everybody. What can, what can a bunch of cold, wet monkeys teach us about hope? That's our subject next week. All right. Let's, um, Let's end with this. Romans 15, 13, which is our theme verse, which talks about the God of hope filling you with all hope. I want to get serious for just a moment because uh, we know that there's people in this room and there are those at West Falls Church and are watching on Grace Life. And right now you're faced with a challenge. Maybe it's been going on a long time. Or maybe every Christmas season just reminds you of a challenge to your own hope. We have been praying for weeks. The prayer team has been praying for weeks. That line in that song, you know, after it says, long lay the world in sin and error, pining like we're struggling under the weight. There's another line after that says, there's a thrill of hope. That's our prayer for each one of you today, particularly if you find your hope really being challenged, that God would give you a thrill of hope today, that today you'd look back and say, ah, God thrilled me with some extra hope today.
So I want to invite you to our prayer wall here, West Falls Church, the prayer wall, the prayer team. If Grace Live, I encourage you to press the prayer button and ask for prayer for hope because the God of hope wants to fill you with hope. That's what Christmas is really all about. It's about when hope enters the world. God is hearing your prayers. God loves you. God wants to do something special in your life and fill you with hope. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God that hears our prayers. Matter of fact, you're anxious to hear our prayers. You bend your ear down to hear our prayers. Lord, I want to especially pray for those listening today. God, you would thrill us with your hope. Right now, maybe for some of us, like, it can never happen. But God, we're trusting that it can happen. We're trusting in you, the God of all hope, by the power of your spirit to fill us with hope. Fill us with your hope. Thrill us with your hope. In Christ's name, amen.